What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. I don't know about you, but I feel very comfortable that uh, Joe Biden came out today and said, being money in bank and covered. And I thought, wow, he's he's on top of it. He's on top of it. Should we be covering everybody's deposit Um, at any limit now, I guess? FDIC, when it first started, it was, I think, $2,500. That's what you were. And then it was $100,000 back in the 80s. Now, it well, it was $250. Now, I think it's whatever. I'm, I'm not sure how all of this works. Vivek Ramaswamy, who is running for president, uh, says we should not be bailing these people out. That's great but very frightening. What does he think that would mean? And how do you get through the transition period? We talked to, uh, talk to Vivek here in 60 seconds. Stand by. Tax time right around the corner. Uh, and it is stressful enough under normal circumstances. But imagine some cyber criminal comes on and steals your information. And, you know, you have... Uh, they're not stealing your information so they can pay your taxes. They'd steal your information because you have a refund coming. And uh, so the IRS has already written your refund check. Wouldn't that be great? It is really important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft affect our lives. Christmas and tax time. This is, they are counting the days to uh, April 15th. They love this time of year because all of your information is out there. Get 25% off a subscription to LifeLock right now. Top of the line in cybersecurity with both preventative measures to keep you safe and access to a restoration team if you do end up having your information hacked into. It's LifeLock by Norton. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year with a promo code BECK. Promo code BECK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. LifeLock, 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Make sure you use the promo code BECK, 1-800-LIFELOCK.com. Well, we have uh, our good friend Vivek Ramaswamy on with us. Hello, Vivek. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. How are you doing? Very good. So um, uh, you came out and explained the, um, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank uh, nightmare and what it's turned into. Now there are three banks, um, and you have a different solution than the federal government. First, can you, in layman's terms, explain what happened, and then what your solution would be. Yeah, so let me just lay it out. Okay, what happened was Silicon Valley Bank took a lot of risks with depositor money by buying what are called mortgage-backed securities that are sensitive to interest rates, that when interest rates go up, they go down in value. The problem for Silicon Valley Bank is they also had their depositors, the customers of the bank, were a lot of these tech startups in Silicon Valley who also lose money or lose the opportunity to get money when interest rates go up. So that put them in a really tough spot when the interest rates went up. As a consequence, the bank collapsed. Now, a lot of those depositors, those tech startups, put way too much money in this one bank. It was a risk management failure. It was a mistake. Roku, the publicly traded tech company, put over $400 million in Silicon Valley Bank. That why would you do that? Sincerely, why would you do that? 
Well, I think Silicon Valley has suffered this hubris to think that they basically can do whatever they need to. Financial risk management is passe. So the way capitalism works, Glenn, is that those who make bad decisions are held accountable and their competitors are able to eat their lunch as a consequence. But here's actually what happened. The government stepped in and said, we're going to bail out those tech companies, those tech startups that banked at Silicon Valley. And then here's the dirty little secret. Silicon Valley lobbied for years saying that it was actually not a systemically important financial institution, so they could actually have lower capital limits, limits, allow them to take greater risk. But in their hour of need, that same Silicon Valley crowd said, no, 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 this is systemically important, and we actually need to get a bailout for those depositors. And then they spun up this narrative saying it's about the workers. Well, we need to make payroll, and if we can't pay our workers, if our money's lost as depositors, that it's not about us. It's really just about the workers. Bunk. Don't believe it because you, you don't know how it works. I mean, I, I, know, this, I know this game well, Glenn. Wait, the way it works is those businesses are the same businesses they were three weeks ago or a month ago or three days ago. So that means if the business model actually works, investors can put in money to make up for the losses in the bank account. Now, that's not pleasant if you're a founder or a venture capitalist because you take dilution from those new investors. That means you own less. That means you make less money on the upside. Yeah, but but that, that's no justification for a public bailout. That, that would uh, teach you not to argument. put 400, $400 million into one bank. That's what it would exactly. teach you. And let alone, let alone Silicon Valley Bank, which itself was engaging in this kind of risky behavior. Okay, so um, first of all, this is, um, this is not just guaranteeing FDIC uh, $250,000. This, I, I guess, is... For the four hundred million, it's for everybody. Yes, right. Yes, if so, it's four hundred million. It's four hundred million, and th- that's what that's what irritates me, Glenn. There's two sets of rules in this country. The one set of rules is everybody says there's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar maximum. On the other hand, if you're one of the favored darlings, after the fact, if things don't go well your way, they'll say, ah, we'll waive that. Just any of those depositors, if they're tech companies, we'll give them the, the bailout. Now, I I personally, Glenn, had multiple, you know, multi billionaires. Silicon Valley elites calling me over the weekend. They were worried about some of the stuff I was saying. They mm-hmm. did not like my Wall Street Journal op-ed, which ran yesterday online. And what they said is, no, no, listen, this is, they tried every argument. I mean, they're like throwing spaghetti against a wall trying to convince me. What they're saying is, oh, no, no, we're the engine of American innovation. Why would you want to hurt this segment of the economy above all? That really reveals the hubris, that they're the special chosen ones that somehow deserve to be bailed out. Well, that didn't work. So then they said, no, 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 this is going to start a bank run across the rest of the United States. Well, as I laid out in my Wall Street Journal piece today, you don't have to conflate how you handle Silicon Valley Bank with how you handle the rest of the country. So my view is the Federal Reserve can step in and be a lender of last resort. And if you really need to raise that FDIC deposit insurance threshold, which is a good debate to have, if you want to do it, do it for everybody prospectively, not by just playing willy-nilly picking favorites after the fact, which is exactly what they're doing here. And I just think that most Americans understand that's a game. This is what fuels populism. It is justified populism because there's two sets of rules. And in my case, it's just that I understand how that other side works, right? How this game is played. But what disappoints me, Glenn, is a lot of Republicans. I mean, they're really hiding in a cave on this issue. I haven't heard anybody else who's really out there taking a principled stand on this. And I can see why, because you know what? I lost many donors or prospective donors this weekend. People who are allies love what I'm saying. When it hits too close to home, when it hits them in the home nest at the, at the level of their personal self-interest, even if they agree with me on principle, 
you know, I lose those people. And that's a cost of actually being principled. But unfortunately, many in the Republican Party are captured by the Silicon Valley donor class. And it's part of the reason why you see this muted, tepid response where everyone else in this GOP field is hoping and quietly waiting for this to pass like a passing storm. I think it's an opportunity to actually stand on principle, just like we should have done back in 2008 when a Republican administration bailed out those banks, which is a sin we're still paying for. So um, I, uh, I was texting back and forth to David Sachs over the weekend, and he was adamant. You are irresponsible for saying these kinds of things because it would collapse us down to four big banks. So, so David Sachs is a good human being. But I really like him. Blinded. He is blinded by self-interest. And that's not that, I mean, it's just human nature, right? You're blind. The things you, and even he says it on his podcast all the time, actually. Right. Follow your self-interest. So in some ways, he's following his own advice. But this is what you saw is a lot of fear-mongering in the country. They were almost rooting for the bank run risk because that then increases the likelihood of the bailout for their depositors, which include their venture-backed portfolio companies. And they got it. So kudos to them for winning the game of crony capitalism. But I'm not playing the game of capitalism. I'm running for president of the United States. We have to look for what's actually right for the country. And I think what's right for the country is to have the same set of rules apply to everyone. And these were the very same people, Glenn, who not very long ago, you know, the libertarian Silicon Valley crowd, David Sachs types included, would say that, no, 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 we need lower risk requirements for these kinds of banks because they're not systemically important, only to now argue that, in fact, they are systemically important. Now, here's what I'll say something in favor of what folks like him and I probably agree with. The deeper problem here is a Federal Reserve that has tried yes. to play God for too long, but playing God with a fat finger, right? So they haven't even done a good job of playing God. One of the things that I'm focused on as a presidential candidate, and hopefully as the president of the United States, is to finally reform the Federal Reserve, part of that managerial bureaucracy, but to go back to its role of ensuring the dollar as a unit of measurement, period. None of this other inflation versus unemployment, God playing. No, they're done with that. They've proven themselves to be catastrophically bad at it. And I think that's something that you have to deeply understand and have conviction in as a president, because the system will come back for you and tell you all the reasons you can't do that. My conviction in this is deep. Okay, so, so, so wait, 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 just a second. Vivek. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I love it. But look what the system did to Donald Trump. Just destroyed him. And I'm, I'm convinced it was because he wouldn't put up with a lot of the stuff that is great reset stuff just wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they needed to get him out. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan tried to take on the fed and they made his life quite miserable for a while. How with this strength and the kind of money now that is, as is sloshing around with the federal reserve and all of the banks and the power the government has given these banks how do you expect to pull this off without them just tubing it and getting their way? So I'd say something. I don't fault Donald Trump from it. I want to learn from his experiences, and I already have, Glenn, in understanding that you can't just reform some of these managerial bureaucracies. <laughs> Excuse me, I just sneezed. <laughs> you can't have, I'm so Bless allergic you. to this idea. <laughs> <laughs> allergic to the administrative state, you know? So you, you can't just reform them. You have to actually gut them all the way. And so what, what they told Donald Trump and what a usual president will be told is, no, 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 you can't fire them due to civil service protections. I disagree. In fact, I'm going to be extensively on the legal and constitutional analysis here. Article two of the Constitution and even the statutes themselves empower the chief executive to actually run the government. That's why this has to be done by an outsider, somebody who's risen through the political ranks. They've already had been indoctrinated by even if they want to do it, they believe they can't. 
I think you have to come in as an outsider to understand that the right way to do it is you fire them, you fire the managerial industrial complex around them, you fire the legions of people under them. Reform is impossible. You have to actually gut the whole thing and replace it with something new built from scratch. And you know, I, after I've called for shutting down the Department of Education, I'm glad that in recent days, President Trump said the same thing that he would favor it. Now, he didn't do it four years in office. I'm not blaming him for that. We're learning from his experiences to lay the foundation. But I think you get to be an outsider once. And I want to come in and as the new outsider, break the system. And I don't aspire to be president for you know, my, the end goal of my career. There's more things to go on and accomplish in life than that. But this is a moment that demands that kind of outsider who operates with their own personal understanding, not because an advisor told you, not because some sort of team prepped you with a policy binder with nine points in it. In many ways, they come from the swamp itself. You need somebody whose first personal conviction is so deep that they can actually see it through and get it done. And that's what motivates me to do this as a combination of a constitutional scholar on one side, but actually somebody who's built businesses on the other. That's what compels me to say, it's not some hubris that I you know, believe I want to be a politician. I just think that this is what it takes to get the job done in this moment. Vivek Ramaswamy, thank you so much, Vivek. What's your website in case somebody wants to get involved in your uh, campaign? Yeah, Vivek2024.com, V-I-V-E-K. 2024.com and i guide people to the one dollar or the five dollar number small is small is perfectly good but join the movement and elevate these ideas in the debate stage that's the next goal thank you very much vivek appreciate it god bless thank you glenn you bet uh i don't uh i don't think i need to tell you that everything in life is so much easier and so much better uh if you just add a little bacon you know and i have good news for you You can support American ranchers right now by subscribing to Good Ranchers and get free bacon for doing it. I mean, are they just singing to you? Good Ranchers only sources meats from local ranchers in the United States, which is more than you can say for your grocery store. And right now they are running a special that uh, if you like bacon, you're going to love this. Get $20 off with my code back at GoodRanchers.com right now. When you subscribe, you'll get free bacon for a year. 24 ounces of Applewood smoked bacon added to each box for a year for free. 100% American high-quality bacon sourced from local farms and ranches. And we're talking about $200 worth of it over the course of a year. The offer is not going to last forever. So before it's all gone, remember, subscribe. You get Good Ranchers price locked in guaranteed your price will stay the same as long as you're subscribed goodranchers.com that's goodranchers.com use the promo code beck 10 seconds station id so Stu, or pat um pat sitting in for Stu this week who's on vacation um you know, you you listen to him, and I'm all with him, but I don't think America understands the pain that is coming. No, because nobody's it, talking about it. It would it it will be substantial too that that pain. Oh, oh my gosh! But it'll be game changing for us. Yeah, and so there's that little mixed emotion you feel. Uh, bail him out saves you the pain for now. It'll just be worse down the road. Yeah. Or do you want to experience some pain now? Uh, just go through that, See, but maybe wind up in a in a better place. Well, afterward. I will tell you, it's um, 
if we would have had the pain back in 2008, mm-hmm. it would have been a lot better because we wouldn't have yeah. had the moral hazard and we wouldn't have been so far away from the Constitution with so many Marxists and everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. We would have had the pain uh-huh. and gotten it over and reset things. Now, you know, there is all kinds of infrastructure with the Great Reset and everything else that's just waiting for us to fall. Had that been done in 2008 as well, you would have had consequences that people Correct. realize that I Correct. can't do that again. Correct. We're doing it all again. I know. And is the same people in many cases. Yep. And this time, it might be better to have it happen now than it would be in two years. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, we I talked. It to, would be. We talked to Christy Noem uh, today and notice when that UCC bill uh, goes through, uh, when they actually declare that uh, central bank digital currency is money and things like Bitcoin is not. That starts in 2024. That's the. <laughs> That's the year you would do it if if you think you might lose the White House and the Senate. Right. You do it then. Yes. So, you know, part of me, I don't I hate pain. It's you know what it is. We all do. Yeah. It's like ripping the bandaid off. You just got to rip it off because it's ugly and bloody and it's going to be horrible. Nobody wants to do that. Right. Well. I think if Americans were given the choice and they and were it was explained to them they were, what's going to happen. Look, this is what's yeah, going to happen. But this is what it's going to look like. But who would do that? Who's going to explain it to them? Well, I'd other than trying. us. Yeah. Uh, yes. Right. But like elected officials, are any elected officials or, going to say, look, we're in trouble? Right or now? I think even people like us without a media that is saying you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. You know, it's so easy. Nobody wants to believe this stuff. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't want to believe this. And so the minute somebody gives you, well, it's conspiracy theory. Oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, it wouldn't be like that. You are likely to take that boat. Yep. You know, and that's mm-hmm. what's killing us is all of the disinformation and misinformation that's coming from our own government. That to me is just mm-hmm. outrageous. By the way, on this very issue, we have Thomas Massey congressman from uh kentucky on with us in just a minute and he's he's talking about last night he was in a meeting and a democrat asked we are silencing people that are talking down the economy right and they said well we're working on it we'll get back to you that's crazy that's unbelievable just crazy we're just it's just not america anymore and by the way wasn't thomas massey the one who was asked when he was talking about disagreeing with the with the, uh, I think it was a MSNBC host. She was saying to Thomas Massey that uh, things were going to uh, spiral out of control, and he said, "Well, I disagree with that." And she said, "Well, yeah, but do you have a degree uh, in <laughs> yeah. economics?" Yes, uh, yes, yes, I do. Uh, the yes, highest, I do. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> what I, what kills me is they keep saying that they're not censoring people. That these Twitter files are nothing but gobbledygook made up by the right. And yet they are coming out and saying <laughs> to we, need to silence, we need to silence people. Yeah. You know, Tucker Carlson is dangerous. We got to silence him. I mean, this is an honest question. How do our how do our friends who are are on the left are not on the left, but are liberal and have. You know, they're Democrats. How are they missing this? How, how do they not 
see it. I honestly don't understand. How do they not see it? I wonder that every day about various topics, not just economic, but I mean, you look at a president who's cognitively declined the way he has. How do you not see that? How, how do you not get it? I, I, I mean, there's no words. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just, I mean, you have to at this point either have intentionally tuned everything out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's not going to make a difference anyway. And they're just arguing and you tune out, which is so dangerous. Or you're just butt stupid. Is that the other alternative? Well, there is that alternative, too. And I I fear a lot of times that that is exactly mm-hmm. what is happening in this country. Yep. All right. Back with Thomas Massey here in a second. The Glenn Beck Program. So I want to talk to you about Jerry, who is just tough as nails. He grew up on a farm. By the time he was an adult, incredible shape, long hours of farm work, years of playing soccer and boxing. I mean, basically, we led the same life, Jerry. Uh, as as he got old, what that's are you funny. laughing? No, about? that's fu- that is really. What do you funny. mean? Yeah, I know Jerry probably didn't do all the things I did. Uh, as he got older, Jerry started to notice that he was developing a lot of pain through his body. Amen. Here we are again. Uh, All that exercise and hard work began to catch up. Don't I know it, brother? He didn't feel good anymore. And that's when he discovered Relief Factor. Jerry, we're like twins. Within a few weeks of taking it, Jerry's pain was uh, down to a minimum. Today, he is active and doing all the things he wants to do. Jerry got his life back with Relief Factor. So can you. Three-week quick start, 1995 trial pack. Thousands of people have tried it. 70% 70% of them go on to order more after the three weeks. Try it. You'll know. If it's not working, just stop taking it. If it's working for you, you've got your life back with relieffactor.com, 800, the number four, relief. Check out my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, every weekday live from 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central, or anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts. From Kentucky, Congressman Thomas Massey joins us. He uh, sent a a really um, disconcerting uh, tweet last night. I saw uh, just got off a Zoom meeting with Fed, Treasury, FDIC, House and Senate. A Democratic senator essentially asked whether there was a program in place to censor information on social media that could lead to a run on the banks. Welcome, Thomas Massey. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. That's terrifying. That really happened. Yeah. Now he may have. Uh, he may say, if people ever figure out who he is, that he was talking about foreign influence, and he was worried about foreign influence. But uh, I, he didn't count. He didn't qualify it that way. And I presume he meant to censor true information that could be harmful to banks that may or may not be put out by Americans. 
I, that I, is chilling. I, I will tell you, Thomas, this is exactly what they war gamed. I think it was in December. I can send this information to you if I, if I look it up um, and you want it. It was from uh, the World Economic Forum. They did a war game. And that's one of the first things in a banking collapse that the World Economic Forum said they had to develop a way to stop all voices that are uh, are um, offering anything other than the central bank narrative. Right. Also, uh, this is uh, within DHS. There's something called CISA, C-I-S-A. And Michael Schellenberger, who's one of the people who exposed the Twitter files, he showed me that it's in their charter to uh, to censor stuff that could be harmful to the financial system of our country. They consider that, you know, national security. So, uh, you know, then I think they may have scrubbed that off their website since then. But this is really chilling. And I'm not trying to cause a run myself by exposing that a senator suggested that the Congress or these agencies should be censoring Americans when they talk about the financial health of banks, but it needs to be out there. I think it's the senator himself who suggests the censorship that is causing concern among Americans. I really think, Thomas, if people were just told the truth and treated like adults, we would be fine and we would be able to handle it. I think there's a lot of people who are like, let's just get this over with. Um, hmm. it, we have made this so much worse and I don't understand what what's happening now. So the FDIC is just if I got four hundred million dollars in a bank account. They're going to cover it. Here's the problem. The money they've got in the bank was premiums that were paid to cover insure people who've deposited less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So the FDIC is pushing all their chips on the table because they don't have enough money to cover everything. They've only collected premiums not. to cover $250,000. They're pushing all their chips on the table because they know they can cover it for two or three banks. But after that, then what? You, then what? Well, then they've spent all the money that's supposed to protect the people under $250,000, like common Americans. So the, the Treasury has this program that they announced last night as well. Uh, I'm sorry, the Federal Reserve. They're like a hand in a glove. Uh -huh. The Federal Reserve has a program where if banks bought treasury bonds at low, low rates and lock, got themselves locked in for 10 years and can't pay their depositors back because these treasury bonds are only worth 80 cents on the dollar, then the Federal Reserve will loan the bank's money at a dollar on a dollar, not the real value of those bonds, but whatever they bought them for. So that's going to be inflationary because the Federal Reserve is going <laughs> to kick more money in. I mean who is, you know, this, I want to quote the president from his speech today. No losses will be, and this is important to make this point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayer. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay to the deposit insurance fund. Well, have you seen that fund? How much money is, is on that balance sheet? Uh, why hasn't it ever been raided to save Social Security or whatever? Um, but um, how much is there? How much can they cover? And if they can't cover it, I know the Fed will say they're going to do it. But aren't we the one that is on the hook for everything the Fed spends or Listen, prints? Uh, the liberals hate it when, when, when Republicans say thoughts and prayers. But I heard Chuck Schumer last night said that he hopes and prays. <laughs> that, this, that what they're doing is enough. 
the reality is they can't do this for every bank. So they're going all in on the first few banks to instill confidence. But for the president to say no taxpayer dollars, that's uh, ignoring the the, uh, Federal Reserve program that's kicking in. Because if that causes inflation, the fact that the Federal Reserve is going to loan to banks using as collateral their bad debt that they got from the, the U.S. government. By the way, it's not bad because the government will default. It's bad because they're locked in for 10 years at, at pitifully low interest rates. And um, if they try to sell those on the market, they're not going to get the money they paid for. Correct. So that's going, to, that's going to dilute the value of your money. If I could go real quickly through four roles that the, the sure. Federal Reserve has played in causing this problem. Sure. First, they were Santa Claus. The Federal Reserve was Santa Claus. They kept interest rates at 0% or damn near close so that, wow, we could borrow money at the U.S. government and spend it and everybody can invest and, it's, and it like heats up your economy. By the way, it dr- also drives the venture capitalists into the venture capital market uh, because they can't get any money on safe investments. Then the Fed becomes the arsonist. When they, when they create $5 trillion out of thin air during COVID, that's what's caused this inflation. But don't worry, the Federal Reserve shows up a couple years later as the firefighter. They're going to douse the economy by raising interest rates faster than they've ever been raised before. So now they've been Santa Claus, the arsonist, the firefighter. To, last night, we found out they're going to be a trauma doctor. They're going to come in and do triage on these banks by loaning them money to, for things as, that are collateral that aren't worth what they say they are. So, and now we're going to rinse and repeat. This will, this will just keep happening. The Federal Reserve is w- largely responsible for this. Uh, there needs, somebody needs to account for it. And uh, that's, that's the problem. This is long COVID response. You know, they talk about long COVID. This is the result of the CARES Act and all the other stuff that spent $5 trillion we didn't have. It's now coming home to roost. So you're a smart guy. It's a smart audience. Um, what, what, what do we do to prepare? Cause it, this is going, to, it will fail. And I fear that they are setting us up for a new currency, a new digital currency, which every time the United States has changed currencies, uh, you've lost at least 40% of everything that you have. Uh, but this will put us into a digital currency, which has all kinds of ramifications, what do we do to prepare? Well, I wouldn't run on your own bank, okay? Yes. Uh, I, haven't, I, have, I have not taken any money out of my bank. I don't have a lot of money in the banks. Uh, so maybe that's not too comforting <laughs> one way or the other, but I wouldn't make a run on the bank. But longer term, in your life plan, I wouldn't keep a lot of money in cash. I wouldn't keep a lot of your resources in cash, Uh Land is a good investment. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be an investment advisor either, but uh, have durable goods and things that people always want would, would be my recommendation. Not today. We, we will get through this somehow. The clowns who are, who are managing this crisis will clown their way through in some yeah. way. And at the end of the day, probably they're going to cause more inflation is what's going to happen at the end of the day because they're going to use your money to protect the bank's and the high dollar investors it's it's socialism they they are uh it's not capitalism it is crony capitalism the the investors well if they do well they get to keep their profits if they do poorly we use the americans through the federal reserve 
to uh, to make them whole for their bad investment. And isn't it isn't it interesting that they are the bank for most of the Green New Deal stuff? Uh, they are they're the bank that's that's funding all of the all of these harebrained ideas. Yeah, that was part of the, uh, Here's the irony. The venture capital money that was supposed to fuel the startups in our economy is stuck in our federal debt right now. They, it, our, our debt, our, our desire to spend money at Congress is so overwhelming that we eventually sucked in that venture capital money that was supposed to fund these startups. It ended up stuck uh, in our treasury. So let me switch subjects. Um, there is a story that I have never seen. I've done this for almost 50 years. I've never seen a story like this. Congress votes unanimously on a bill. The Senate votes unanimously on a bill. And then the president's not sure he's going to sign it. The, the closest to unanimous, I think, was World War II, and there was one person that stood against it. How did Congress all vote, every single one of them, to investigate the origins of COVID? What's going on there? Uh, I asked this same question in a hearing in the Rules Committee. Like, the president could declassify the origins of COVID the information that we have uh, and its re- relation to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He could do that today. He could have done it a year ago, two years ago. He's chosen not to do it. Now the entire Senate and the entire House has voted for him to do it. Uh, he could veto it, but his veto is going to be overridden. What The answer I was given uh, in a hearing that's not much watched, uh, so it is public, but it's still kind of hidden, is that the president, because of foreign relations with China, needs to look like he's forced to do it uh, so that he doesn't disrupt the relationship with China. If he if he did this on his own, it was, and I guess I'm spoiling the whole punch right now, yeah. but surely... <laughs> <laughs> We're running surely this whole thing on TikTok, so it's going right to presidency. <laughs> surely... But, I mean, these are like uh, little kids could come up with these plans. Surely the Chinese see through that. Uh, but that was the only reason that I was given that made any little bit of sense. Well, uh, it, it's I, also weird that every single person voted for it. Out of, out of what, 520 people? Uh, and the and the viewpoints that a lot of people have that this is absolutely not from China and the and the, and uh, the lab it's absolutely I mean they have made such a stink every single one of them said yes we want the house to investigate we want people to uh, we want the president to release all of the classified information just release what? the classified information on the origin I think. This is not a conspiracy. You can theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. You can find evidence of this everywhere. But I think it's going to lead back to the United States that, you know, we were working with them on this virus. Yep. We were funding it. I mean, that's going to, you know, and so I think they're trying to slow walk that realization that the American government used your tax dollars to create a disease that killed hundreds of thousands of Americans. They like that is the biggest argument against growing government I have ever seen. And they're trying to 
They're trying to, to keep by delaying the release of all of this stuff. They're hoping you forget why grandma died uh, it, when you come around to realize that we created the virus. Good God. God bless you for being there, man. I don't know how you do it, but I'm grateful you're there. Thomas well, Massey. Thanks, Glenn. Thank thanks you for having me on. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Should talk to him more often. He is really, really smart. Way back in January, I told you the uh, U.S. breached our uh, debt ceiling eight months ahead of schedule. Fast forward to today, absolute zero progress has been made by the Biden administration in negotiating a meaningful increase and uh, any kind of decrease in our spending. Uh, in fact, they've managed to go backwards. I know. Shocking. Business Insider put out a great report recently. It says, um, uh, you can find it on the Goldline website. It says, deal of the week page. It, uh, a debt default could happen as soon as July. If so, the country would face its biggest financial crisis in history. We don't need that. We already are dealing with this today. And you know what happened to gold? Ah, gold went up. Hmm. Who would have thunk it? Please protect some of what you have in a bank with precious metals. Please call Goldline, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE. Think of the Silicon Valley Bank as a wake-up call. Call Goldline right now. The original one-ounce copper great seal rounds with every qualifying order of $5 gold Liberty or Indian coins you acquire. You can buy Indians and Liberty coins in tubes or boxes of 20. Call Goldline about the difference. You're going to get a boatload of free copper as well as a thank you. Just go to goldline.com. Call them now. 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, um, as if we needed something else. A giant seaweed bloom, so large it can be seen from outer space, may be headed towards Florida's Gulf Coast. The sargassum bloom is 5,000 miles wide, twice the width of the United States, believed to be the largest in history. It drifts between the Atlantic coast of Africa and the Gulf of Mexico. It has a thick mat of algae, but here's the good news. It can provide a habitat for marine life and absorb carbon dioxide. So it's good for the planet. Oh, good. The problem is it's bad for coral because it can be deprived of sunlight. And as the seaweed decomposes, it releases hydrogen sulfide. Oh, well, don't worry about that. Just get... uh our Secretary of Transportation down there, Buttigieg, he'd be there, mm-hmm. you know, in no time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and, and it negatively impacts the air and the water, causing respiratory problems ah. uh, for all the people in the <laughs> surrounding area. But, it also makes swimming difficult. Right. You know? Does. No, yeah. yeah. No, nobody wants to swim through seaweed. So Well, I and it's there- also going to clog the valves of power plants and desalinization plants. Okay. But the good news is... It will suck in some of the carbon. So there you go. The planet will be cooler. Perfect. So screw the people. It's the people that screwed it up. The planet knows it's been it's been sent by the fish people. (laughs) All right.
Don't panic. Everything is uh, everything is fine. We'll get through this together, and we'll see you tomorrow. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get past the seaweed thing. No, that, probably that's not. probably everybody's going to die from that. Probably, yeah. but but you don't need to worry about the banking thing. The Glenn Beck Program. 